Welcome as well. So we're going to also have the visual aspect, which we're going to try to add in sometime. And I have an amazing guest who's actually working also with me with the Religious Liberty Coalition. And she is a speaker. She's, I've known her for a while. Watch what the Lord is doing in her life. She goes to a church that I absolutely adore with Pastor Robinos. And, uh, you know, she's getting married soon. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, but Karina Salcedo, welcome to the program. Hi, Todd. Thank you for having me. Well, it's a blessing to have you, and we're going to kind of do this really cool thing tonight where I'd like to have some dialogue. So you're kind of like a, would you consider yourself a millennial? I'd say probably a millennial, right? Or, or, or young? Millennial, Gen Z, it depends on how you define it. I go you're by kind of on the cusp. You're kind of on the cusp. But yeah. what you are is you're the new generation of leader that the Lord is rising up, and uh, you're, you're not afraid to be bold. You're not afraid to, to speak the truth, and that's what I love about you and your future husband is that you guys are out there. You're on podcasts. You're talking. You're writing. And so I thought it would be cool to have us dialogue and kind of talk through some issues. And we're going to be doing this uh, often, hopefully, uh, where we come together and we talk about these different issues. And then you can, you know, tell me your view on it. And uh, I want to hear your view because I think it's important uh, hearing a view from your generation, from your perspective and your worldview, which is the same worldview as me, but but a different generation. So I think it's going to be kind of cool. So we have a couple of topics. I'm going to turn over to you. What are some of the things that this week we want to discuss? So this week, I really just want to awaken the Christian community and the church specifically on the crossroads that we stand at in the United States of America because of decadency, which is the moral decline in the United States, which has then led to a religious freedoms war. And I think that that's something that we're definitely seeing unravel just this week alone. That's right. Absolutely. And so give, give me some examples of what you're seeing when, you, when you're talking about that. So, for example, I'm from the state of California, right. and this week there was a bill, it was SB 145, oh, it actually goodness. just yeah. became a law on Friday evening, um, which was 9-11, yeah. Governor Gavin Newsom just signed it, and it essentially allows, in, 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 a, in a given circumstance, it would allow a 14-year-old minor, um, if they had given consent, to have intercourse or relations with a 24 year old that would be uh-huh. legal and that individual would not have to register 14 you said you said 14 years old 14, 14 years, old. years old so fathers and mothers out there i want you to take note right now because i call california the beta test uh what is rolled out in california is often soon seen in other states it's 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 the test uh if you will the test state of what the globalists and the, the liberal agenda that are trying to, it's the secularist uh, globalist agenda that are, you know, honestly, I mean, we could just be honest and blunt on this program. It's demonic in nature, obviously, uh, in the spiritual battle between light and darkness. And so now they're trying to normalize. Once again, they're pushing the envelope. And this, you said this passed, right, Karina? Yes, it passed both houses of of the legislative government in California, and it was signed by Governor Newsom on Friday evening. Unbelievable. So, you know, I know there's some fact checkers on Facebook and, you know, they'll say, oh, it's not what we're saying, but you have to understand this is all incremental. This is all planned. 
And it is absolutely what Karina is saying. And the thing is, is that uh, they're pushing the envelope farther and farther. I remember, you know, when they legalized same-sex marriage. And uh, at that time, the church should have really risen up. There were many people that did, but there was also many that were silent, unfortunately. And one of the things that we warned, Karina, in that time is, is that they were going to continue to push this. That was not the end. That was just the beginning. And we knew that pedophilia was coming. Uh, we knew that there was going to be a push to normalize that. And now we're at that juncture and it doesn't stop. We've obviously seen the transgender agenda. I mean, it's the same demonic stuff that they're trying to push with the story hours all around the country. I mean, I'm out here in Tennessee right now. They were just talking about that in an event we were at tonight where they're pushing that out here. So, you know, so as California goes, so goes the country in, in, because it's the test for what they're going to roll out. And so we're seeing this there. It just got signed in by Governor Newsom. And so unfortunately, I don't want to prophesy this because I pray it's wrong, but I, I believe we will start seeing this in other states. Do you agree, Karina? I completely agree. And it's something that we're already starting to see with the media. So for example, this week, there was this huge controversy with Netflix. They released a film yes. called Cuties. And this film was about an 11-year-old girl who essentially goes through she comes from a very conservative family in terms of religion and in terms of dress and she sexualizes herself um by joining this dance group and essentially it's a very sexual de depiction of minors of, right. of them dancing and twerking in a local dance contest and wow. netflix has repeatedly defended this content despite a movement I've called them can hashtag cancel Netflix. And so right. a lot of Christian, a lot, a lot of just um, secular people in general, because this is just, I don't understand how anyone could view this film as okay. If you see the trailer, it's just absolutely right. horrific the way that children are being depicted. And it's because we're seeing decadency in the United States. There's just this, right. like you were saying, a gradual moral decline. Yeah. And because of this moral decline, I mean, morality and, and the world just don't mix. And morality is the center of the church. It's the center of biblical values. Right. So, of course, the church is going to receive pushback, especially if the church isn't pushing back on this decadency that we're seeing yeah. in the United States. So, you know, churches, pastors, I, I have so many pastors are like, why is this happening? Like, we have a constitution. Like, this, this can't happen. Well, it's because the church hasn't pushed back on the decadency. And really, there can only be light or darkness. Which one is going to prevail right now? darkness is prevailing because the light hasn't pushed hard enough. Yeah. And so this whole discussion really is to show the churches how to push back and why they should push back. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, John, Pastor John MacArthur put it really nicely. He said at this quote recently, I think, I believe it was this week. He quoted, we are exactly where we would be with 30 years of destroying morality. That's right. That's right. People, uh, we've retracted in the four walls, um, you know, and I'm not here to be like the, you know, negative, uh, talking bad about every pastor. I know there's plenty of, you know, awesome pastors out there that are standing for righteousness, but there's also many, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm taking blame. We're all taking blame as the body of Christ, and we're saying we have not done enough. So, so the thing is, hindsight's always 2020, and, you know, we can point fingers. Uh, there, there's definitely pastors that I would say you probably should get out of their church because they're probably not really pastors. They're not shepherding. They're more, more motivational speakers. They're not speaking to the mountains of influence. They're not really preaching the full gospel. It's, it's more of an encouragement. And, and so you need to be praying about it if you're meant to be in that church. And so that's up between you and God. But what we need to do now, we're looking back and we're saying, okay, 
you said Pastor MacArthur, and he's right in what he said is what, 30 years or so more. And so what are we going to do now? And this is, this is the, this defining precipice moment that we're in. I was just at a, a big meeting of, of remnant Christians. I was telling Karina, and we were all having the same discussion because we're fed up. Like we don't want to see our nation going down the drain anymore, morality wise. We don't want to see us going farther away, you know, taking God out of the, the Pledge of Allegiance, out of the Constitution. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Enough is enough. So Karina, what do we do? How do we stop this? I mean, it has to start with the church. So just taking, for example, Pastor John MacArthur, he was the one that gave the quote about morality, and he's actually one of the forerunners in this religious persecution war. And so, of course, it has to start with defending the religious freedom so that the church can do the work that it needs to do. And that's why the Religious Liberties Coalition is so important. And that's something that we'll get into a little bit later. But just taking Pastor John MacArthur's church, for example, Los Angeles County has threatened to give them a daily fine of $1,000 and has also threatened to arrest church leaders for continuing to hold service. And just this week uh, on September the 10th, an L.A. County Superior Court judge actually ruled against the church pretty much stating that they had to conduct only outdoor services with, of course, social distancing measures. But there are some complications with that because, for one, they're not allowed to actually meet in the parking lot for various legal reasons, so it's kind of impossible to do. But regardless of this, Pastor John MacArthur is actually pushing back, and he's still going to meet regardless of this judge's decision, and it's constitutional. And a lot of the problem that I've been seeing, not just in California, but across America is that churches, churches, pastors don't understand their religious liberties. They can quote maybe the First Amendment, but it goes beyond that because our government is structured three branches, three tiers. And it was brilliantly structured that way. But the church doesn't understand the three branches of government. And so something I wanted to talk about today was kind of explaining how religious freedoms work. Um, in, In the United States, we have three branches of government. The Supreme Court specifically is in charge of interpreting what is constitutional. So we have the First Amendment and the First Amendment grants us, you know, the right to religion, the freedom of expression, the freedom to assembly and to petition, which are all incredibly important. But something that's very important for the church to understand is that the Supreme Court gets to decide what exactly that means. And because we as Christians haven't been involved in all three branches of government. I mean, for example, like with gay marriage, there have been a lot of court cases, gay marriage, um, abortion, that have gone through the Supreme Court. They have deemed certain things as constitutional, which should have never happened, but that's because we didn't get involved in the first place. And so that is something that we're headed towards again with religious liberties and religious freedom. So a court case that I wanted to talk about was, um, it was called Lukumi versus Hialeah. And that was a a monumental court case in 1993, and it pretty much said that churches um, cannot be barred from their religious rituals unless two things. There was a compelling government interest, or if the regulation was neutral or of general applicability. And I know people are like, this is a bunch of legal jargon. (laughs) No idea what that means. Break it down, break it down. Let's break it down. So the first one. Um, it has to have a compelling government interest. So what that means is it has to be something that the government cares enough about to restrict the church. When this happens, though, the church has a very special protection because of our incredible founders that um, if the government goes about this, this route, it has to be narrowly tailored and it has to go through the most rigorous, strict scrutiny. 
Mm. And we can see that in Pastor John MacArthur's case, that has not happened. So the compelling government interest is safety and health because of COVID. But yet in California, we are seeing Californians with one one in one hundredth and one percent of Californians have COVID. That's not a compelling government interest, especially when, and I know you've been a very um, a vocal advocate for um, the, the treatment. There's a treatment currently yeah. that cures it over 90% of the time. That's right. So that's not a compelling government interest. And then we look at the second tier, which is of neutral or general applicability. Yeah. So with this specific one, it's talking about how like it, it, it can't be a law that is only specifically for the church. Mm. And so they say that, oh, you know, we were restricting a bunch of other services, a bunch of other gatherings as well. But what the uh, what his attorney, John MacArthur's attorney is actually arguing is, well, they're in L.A. County. The county was very adamant and very pro protesting, very pro rioting. And there were thousands upon thousands of people in L.A protesting and you know they did not face the same level of enforcement or restriction as religious services and so that is not upholding that second tier and then when we look at the first tier which was the compelling government interest and it needing to be narrowly tailored it's not narrowly tailored because there are other gatherings that are still allowed we go back to the second tier that it has to be neutral of general applicability there are non-religious commercial indoor services that are allowed to be held which is great you know i don't i don't want uh, any other indoor services to be restricted but when we're specifically restricting the church but not other commercial indoor services such as grocery stores or hair salons now praise the Lord, um, it becomes unconstitutional. And unfortunately, these judges do have the right to say it's unconstitutional. Yeah. Uh, but, and it's because the church hasn't been involved. So yeah. then we get into, okay, well, what, what, what can we as the church do? The church yeah. needs to understand the constitution. The yeah. church needs to, the, the pastors should be educating their congregation members on the three branches of government on, yeah. Hey, you know what? Let's start, you know, let's start a constitution reading plan. Let's take time to read and understand our liberties. Right. right. So um, I wanted to read this quote Please. and it talked a little bit about, it was uh, from, from an individual and it talked a little bit about, why the um, why the the constitution is so important in, in the scope of the church and it was from Fisher Ames he was a founding father who offered the final wording uh, for the house version of the first amendment and he said that the bible was the principal source of sound morals in America and therefore must never be separated from the country That's right. yeah. And, yeah and then Thomas Jefferson said God who gave us liberty gave us life Mm -hmm. can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed the only firm basis a conviction in the minds of the people that the liberties are of the gift of god Mm. and it's so so important for the church to be involved but we're we're seeing two ends of the spectrum here we're seeing like like you said todd churches that are involved and churches that are not involved but in this state in the state of our nation right now we need to have a united front on this matter which is of standing for the constitution and also for god and so something interesting that i wanted to discuss was this isn't the first time this is not the first time that america has experienced a pandemic we have gone through pandemics before you got the spanish flu you you know you went through h1n1 during the obama administration you barely heard anything about it so yeah why why is it all of a sudden they're going crazy Exactly. So, for example, let's just take you back to the first pandemic that we experienced. It was the yellow, 
the yellow fever. And it was um, during 1793, I believe, in Philadelphia. That was the primary place where, outbra- where the outbra- outbreak took place. And 10% of the population in Philadelphia actually died from this virus. So it was a, it was a pretty big deal. But yet the churches still met because they recognized that it was important. And actually a pastor um, from this time when they asked him about why they were still meeting despite all the deaths, he said, to have changed the time or the place of the meeting would have been a haughty attempt to escape the rod of God from which there was no escape. That's right. Well, doesn't the Bible say lay hands on the sick and they'll be healed? How are you going to do that when you're not meeting? So, you know, I've always had a check in my spirit and you know this, and I've been pretty outspoken about it and I got a lot of backlash. And then I started thinking, well, you know, we've never been through this. Maybe this is different. Maybe, you know, so I started listening. And I think we all kind of were like, okay, let's wait and see. But I never felt good about it, Karina. I never felt good about the churches not meeting. And then we did the, what was it, 14 days slow to spread. And, I mean, we're, we're in like months now, months and months. I mean, we're, we're talking back in like April, you know. We're now, you know, almost, it's almost, ele- we're like 20, you know, 60 days away from the election or less. And so, you know, there's still churches, like you said, in California that are not meeting or that are, you know, doing online services. And I get it, like there, there's a scripture, and I want you to finish your thought, but I just want to read this because this is what people are constantly bringing up to me. And it's Romans 13, and it's Romans 13, 1 and 2. And they say, obey the government, for God is the one who has put uh, it there. There's no government anywhere that God has not placed in power. And I do believe, of course, in every scripture. So, of course, I believe in that scripture. But here's the thing is, is that when the government goes against the word of God and the word of God says, do not forsake the assembling together of the brethren, this is where we as Christians need to make a decision and say, well, wait a minute here, because the Bible says we're supposed to assemble. The Bible says we're supposed to lay, lay hands on the sick and watch them healed in the name of Jesus. Uh, you know, the Bible says all these different things that we're breaking from for this one scripture. So this, this scripture is not the end-all, be-all. It's, you know, we're, we, yes, we believe President Trump has been put there by the Lord. Hallelujah, right? And people say, well, would you have said that with Obama? You know what? It was, it was God allowing our nation to go during that period under Obama so that maybe it would wake us up, you know? And so everything has a reason and a purpose, but we're not, we're not supposed to just kowtow. We're not supposed to just retreat. And what you're saying is exactly correct. We need to meet. We need to open the churches again. If, you're, if you've been closed, so finish your thought, but I just wanted to just get that in there because it, it, it just bothers me, Cream. No, it's so good. And I was actually joking with my mom yesterday. I was like, Jesus never quarantined after he healed the leper. <laughs> he didn't say, oh, sorry, I have to quarantine for 14 days before right. I pray for you. And, and so it, it's completely right. And actually, Pastor Rodney How- Howard Brown in Florida with the River Church, yeah. he was a catalyst for opening up the churches legally, essentially. So he, you know, he went against the Hillsborough County order and his actions led to Governor DeSantis declaring the churches essential. Subsequently, only 10 states now in the United States haven't deemed the churches essential. But yet, like, for example, let's just take Texas. Texas, in Texas, churches are deemed as essential. But it's not even the government at this point. It's even just the churches. There are so many churches still that are refusing to meet, despite the fact that they are recognized legally as an essential service. That's what's heartbreaking, especially when we take it back. We look historically here, and we're we're looking, and there was a virus that killed 10% of the population in the city, and the churches refused to open because they feared God more than they feared a silly virus. And you you talked about the Spanish flu, and that happened in 1918, and the numbers here were 675,000 deaths in America, and that equated to about 06 
5% of the population that had died. But yet, the schools remained open, the churches remained open because they were essential services. Right. Now, today we fast forward and look at COVID-19, and we see that there are currently 193,000 deaths, supposedly, right? And 0.058% uh, of the population that has died from COVID. You better not speak those facts. You better, you know, the, the fact checkers might come on. I know. <laughs> I know. And these are even just simply their numbers. I don't agree that they're completely accurate. But even if we want to take it at their numbers and compare it to the virus of the past, I mean, it just doesn't make sense with what we're doing, what we're seeing. And so we need, the, the pastors need to wake up, yeah, look right. at the history, look at the Constitution, teach it to the congregation members, and open up the churches because this is no longer a virus. This is a war on religious freedoms. This yeah. is a war on religious liberty. And the churches, especially in California, I can't, I can't, uh, make it more clear there needs to they need to gear up and understand the fight that's ahead of them and that's why the religious liberties coalition is so important oh. that's why i really urge pastors in this time to get legal protection by joining that yeah. um because you don't know what's coming in and if you're holding services which you should be because it's your constitutional right, right this can happen what happened to pastor john MacArthur, and we need to be ready so that we can set precedent in this country that right. you can't mess with god Yes. Well, you said a lot there. And so I want to unpack some of that. You can see why Karina is on the team and why I, I, I said what I said in the beginning, because she's just on fire for the Lord and so well informed on these things. And thank you for, you know, you really laid that out well, Karina, and you, you brought the facts and, you know, unfortunately the left doesn't like facts, but that's what I always say to people is that we have the facts on our side, because that's the truth is, is that if we lay out the facts, anybody that's willing, that has ears to hear, that's willing to, to, to stop with, you know, all the partisans, you know, ship and all that, and just listen to what Karina is saying. She's not speaking as a Republican. She's not speaking as a Democrat. She's just reading facts and we're, we're talking as believers in Christ right now, what the word of God says. And you mentioned Rodney Howard Brown. I love Rodney Howard Brown. He's a mentor in my life. Uh, I actually was texting Pastor Rodney the night before he got arrested. And he, um, he said, Todd, you know, and I think, I don't think he'd mind that I'm sharing this, but you know, he said, Todd, there's helicopters outside my house right now. And I'm thinking to myself, this is a pastor who's trying to have service. Now I will tell you that he's such a forgiving man. He forgave the sheriff. He knows him. He's had him at his uh, church before. Um, you know, they, they're fine. And, and he's been having services outside for 98 days. I think they're on 99 today. And the spirit of God is moving in, in Tampa Bay and, and, you know, other places that the river's involved. And so, you know, God is using this for, for, you know, his glory in the midst of all the craziness. Uh, Sean Foyt's been out there. There's been, you know, I know some pastors out here in Nashville that are meeting downtown that are doing worship gatherings. You know, we just had an on fire meeting tonight here. I mean, there's all kinds of amazing pockets of revival that are happening in our nation. So there, there is a remnant that's rising up. But what I think is important here is God's using new voices because unfortunately people that have been in positions of power have really not done what they're supposed to do and speak out. And, and, and speak the truth. And the people know this. And the, the, the adversaries of the church and the, the people that are operating in the, in the Antichrist spirit, they also know this. And so, you know, it's like the scripture that says, I know Peter, I know Paul, but who are you? You don't want to be a who are you. You want to be a Peter and a Paul. And what it, when the Bible talked about Paul, it often referred to another word that went along with Paul, and that is boldly. Paul went boldly. Paul spoke boldly. This is what God is requiring of the body of Christ right now, 
And you mentioned the Religious Liberty Coalition, where we both happen to uh, be affiliated with, and it's very important because it, it gives that hedge of protection to pastors that are out there that need, uh, you know, a robust coalition. I know many pastors feel isolated. Many pastors feel, you know, alone. You might be out there speaking the truth, but you're like, hey, you know, what if I do it? I get fined $5,000 a service, you know, and you're, maybe you're a small congregation. That's what we're here to do, whether you're a large megachurch, a smaller congregation, a parachurch ministry, an evangelist, somebody who has a ministry, a nonprofit, we will stand with you for a very small, I mean, almost ridiculously small fee to join the coalition. We get your back and we will go to bat for you from a legal standpoint. And I would highly encourage you to pray about that. We're really not doing this for any other reason other than to, to, to get on this frontline battle. Now, John MacArthur, who I've been in contact with, he's actually been on the show just, I think, two weeks ago now. Lots happened since then. Uh, he's really on the front lines. We need to be praying for him. Tomorrow's an important day. You might be hearing the show or seeing the show after Sunday. So we're going to have to see what happens. Uh, but we need to be praying for him. But I really believe, Karina, that somebody like John MacArthur, and I think he's doing this for this reason, is, you know, if he gets arrested, which we're praying he won't, and I don't believe he will, but, uh, you know, we've seen Rob McCoy out there, Pastor Rob McCoy. Uh, we've seen uh, several pastors that have been in the heat of this, Jack Hibbs, you know, uh, many, my friend Shane, I don't mean, there's, there's all different, you know, uh, our, our pastor friend, uh, Rob Enos, he, he's meeting, you know, so there, there's pastors that are meeting, that are bold, that are on the front line, but some of them are dealing with legal issues. And it just depends on which municipality you're living in, you know, what county, how the, uh, the people are enforcing the rules in that particular area. And so some of these churches are getting $5,000 fines of service. Some churches are getting their power to be threatened, to be shut off. Uh, with John MacArthur, they took away uh, an L.A. Uh, parking lot that he had been renting for $8,000 a month for years. And all of a sudden he's losing his lease because he's having services, which is unbelievable. And so now they're going to have a logistical problem with the congregation of where to even be able to meet. Now, hopefully that gets resolved. And I believe the Lord has a solution, but now he's faced with this new, um, I guess it was the decision that came on the September 10th decision. So now, you know, he's really up against the wall here illegally and he's going to stand. Now here's where I'm all bringing this to Karina is, is that I believe eventually this can have to go to the Supreme court and you are studying, you're going to be studying law and you're, you know, very, very familiar with this. What happens when it goes to the Supreme Court, in your opinion? It really depends on the justices of the court at the time. And that is why it's so important for us to be so focused on this election. Yes. Because if we don't have those next just Supreme Court justice appointments from President Trump, then religious liberty, because I agree with you, Todd, it's, it's, going, it's inevitable. It has to make it to the Supreme Court because this is a huge legal issue that has not only happened at a state level, but there has there have been multiple federal um, contradicting federal court cases too. So there has to be a the the higher decision from the Supreme Court on this matter. Now, if we have President Trump's appointees in there, I truly believe that God God can get us out of this again. And I and I I have all the hope in America because I know that this is a God ordained. If you know the history of America, you know that we have always had all the odds against us and have always prevailed because we are one nation under God. Yeah, we, now, have we have people praying, we have people you know, on their faces travailing and, 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 and that's where I think there's something happening here. I remember in the beginning of the campaign, uh, Paula White said this and I think there was an article that they wrote about it, but uh, Donald Trump started his campaign in the name of Jesus. And what does the Bible say? You know, the, all authorities in the name of Jesus. So there's something very significant about that. And there is a remnant of believers that are praying, fasting, having prayer calls. I haven't seen anything like this for a president in my lifetime. 
Um, you know, and so that's, that's encouraging to me. And I think, you know, the Lord will, I feel, give us more time in the midst of a very strong battle that we're going to see. But you mentioned President Trump has constitutionalist, you know, constructionalist judges he's going to be appointing. He's already released his list. We know these people have been vetted. Who would Joe Biden put in? Well, we know he won't put out his list. And that's because they're activist judges. They're not going to be ruling in accordance with the Constitution. Uh, we know that Barack Hussein Obama wanted to fundamentally change America, that they were capitulating to China, uh, that, that we, we've seen in the last 30 years, the biggest wealth transfer in the history of the world from west to east. We're now in a precipice-defining moment where we're seeing China literally putting Uyghurs, uh, which are Muslims in China. We're also seeing Christians in the underground church massively persecuted in China. People are being uh, just disappeared. They, they don't know where they went. I just spoke to pastor the other day he says people from his congregation this is the underground church in china just disappear and he doesn't know what happens to them so you know americans aren't hearing about hong kong and the loss of freedom that they're now seeing and you know there's there's so many different fronts right now in this battle between light and darkness for our world uh you know uh, china's buzzing jets in taiwan they're pushing there the south you know the spratly islands the south china sea uh we got the situation on the border with india so china is trying to flex its military might its economic might and that's because of the globalists and the people that have allowed the biggest wealth transfer in the history of the world to happen. And Joe Biden is a puppet for China. If he comes in, it's going to be just a furthering of that policy. And I don't really know that there's a comeback from that. See, when you give up religious liberties and when you give up freedoms and when you give up the Constitution, unless there's some type of war, you don't just get those back. They're taken away and that's it. And people have fought for this. So, we're, you know, I want to ask you a couple of questions because I, I'm always going to play uh, the opposite side here. I don't want to say devil's advocate, but the opposite side, because I, I tell you the questions that I get. And, and people will tell me, well, Todd, I understand you've been very vocal about having the churches open and um, but, you know, what about the seniors? You know, you put them in danger and we have to have a heart as the church and, you know, we need to be careful and it's probably more wise for us just to continue to be careful. And, you know, and so what do you say to that, Karina, when you hear that type of argument? So I want to take you back. I'm going to just take it back to that historical argument. Let's just look at the yellow fever, for example, where 10% of the population were dying. And yet the pastor quoted, I fear more the rod of God. And I think that that has to be the pinpoint. I mean, we can fear anything. We can fear, you know, our children dying from driving them in, the, in cars. We, we, I mean, things that are more even statistically significant in, in this country. But it all comes back to, okay, well, what is your priority? What is your number one priority in, in this world? And for me, and for I think every Christian and pastor, it should be God. And like you were saying earlier, we need to recognize that um, God comes before our fears. God comes before even just the logical thing. Like sometimes I, I was talking about this with my mom. Sometimes it doesn't make sense to do the most logical thing. It didn't make sense for the Israelites to march around Jericho for 10 days. Like, how is that going to produce a victory? But it's not about what's logical. It's about what's biblical. And God says, do not forsake the assembly of the church. He could, he could not have been more clear. And we look at the time with the yellow fever and they didn't forsake the assembly of the church, despite the fact that they didn't have the cutting edge modern day medicine and research that we have today. And we're, we still refuse to follow the Bible. We still refuse to have faith. Uh, uh, we could, there, we, there could be a million what ifs, right? but it all comes back to following the Bible. 
That's right. And, and the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we, we have to, that key element of faith. If you look at every different situation, he doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. We need to get out there and do what we're, we're called to do by the Lord, which is to be a, a light in this hour, to bring, you know, not just encouragement, but to speak the truth and to do it boldly, as I was saying. And because the people will respond to that, because in every human being, they have a, a DNA, they have a blueprint, I believe, which the Lord has given us, where we ultimately no. I mean, when there's somebody that's living a lifestyle of sin, and I know this from my own life, is, is that you ultimately know you're living in sin. And you don't want to hear the preacher preach the full word of God. You want to hear somebody tickle your ears because when the preacher preaches the full word of God, guess what it does? It brings conviction. What do you think Billy Graham did? He, he, he talked about repentance. He talked about how we're all sinners and we need a savior. And, and that's really the message. That's the same message today. We need a savior. Listen, America's not going to be saved by Donald Trump, but the Lord has given us this man as a reprieve season so that the church, and this is where I really believe prophetically, Karina, and, and we got, we're almost done here on time, but uh, this is a great discussion, by the way. Uh, but, 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 you know, Donald Trump, I think the Lord's going to give us one more term. Now, I think it's going to be very turbulent. I think we're in for a rocky road ahead. I don't think it's going to be easy. I think there's going to be warfare. But really why he's going to give us time is, is this exact reason. He's giving the Church of America one last time to really be the church and for the remnant to come out and to stand up and to be bold and unafraid and for people to get saved and set free and healed and delivered and to have a revival and awakening in this land simultaneously because we are at that moment of decision where either that's going to happen or we're going to go into the moral abyss and 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 china and socialism and our rights and censorship and, and it's just a really dark version of reality which is very possible right now and then the bible does speak about that where there's going to be a mark of the beast and there's going to be the antichrist so we know that is ahead but you know could he be giving us more time yes i believe he could as the saints of god cry out as the remnant body of christ which are those who are willing to stand for the full bible cry out to the lord repent you know, stand uh, in the gap for this nation, uh, fast, pray, intercede. I think he's going to give us more time. Karina, how are you feeling in your spirit? What do you think? I agree with you, Todd. I really do believe in my heart that he's going to give us another chance. Now, what comes after that is completely up to us. And like you were saying earlier, it's going to take a war to bring us back out of it. If, if the church fails in this next season of, of the United States, we will have no choice but to have another American revolution to gain our country back if that is actually something that the church can unite to accomplish. And so um, I don't think that it's impossible. I think that it's certainly possible. And I've, I've always advocated this, um, this quote from Margaret Mead. It's never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world because it is the only thing that ever has. So I believe in the power of the remnant. I believe that even just the small group could unite and, and, and still save our country but it's it's going to take that united front it's going to take prayer it's going to take fasting i think the book of esther is a great example of what what the church really needs to do in this time when we're standing in the gap between politics and saving uh saving the united states and so i i couldn't agree more with you i think that this next season is going to be a defining season of american history it already is but we're going to see what we do with the ashes of COVID 19 with the ashes of, of religious liberty violation with the ashes of you know the whole black lives matter and social justice um things that are going on in the united states so we're going to see all of this unravel in this next term and we really, as the church, need to take our place in this in this fight and in this term. 
Yeah, we got to take on these issues, like you mentioned the Netflix earlier. I mean, listen, anybody who's got any sense of what the Word of God says, okay, if you look at that, wife and I, we try to sit there, and, and, and you know, we had Netflix a while back, and I would go through it and just try to find uh, something to watch, and almost every movie on there was dark. Almost everything was an agenda. We've seen the programming in Hollywood in the movies. We've seen, you know, the mainstream media, which 45, uh, excuse me, let me give you the right statistic here, 95% favorable towards Barack Hussein Obama, 95% favorable coverage. Okay, in the, in the same point in his term, 95% uh, positive coverage, and he was at around, I think it was a 39% or so approval rating. President Donald Trump, 95% against him, unfavorable coverage by the media, and yet he is ahead in the 40s of where Barack Hussein Obama was at this exact same point in, in his term. So we have to think of the favor of God there when you have a completely different uh, reporting structure between the mainstream media being completely for Obama, completely against Donald Trump, constant fake stories, constant fake news, just uh, a, a literal psychological warfare operation against America, and we can get in. We didn't even get into the vaccine, Karina. I mean, we didn't even get in. We have so many more things to talk about before the election. But I think these talks are going to be helpful because what we're trying to do, Karina is excellent at finding, uh, you know, the topics that are relevant for us to discuss. And I really enjoy hearing your views and opinion. They're very uh, factual based. Uh, they're very educated, Karina. And you know what? Thank you for doing your research. And we're going to talk about these. If you have topics that you like us to discuss, you know, send us a message on Facebook. Get in touch with us. You can go to ToddCoconato.com. Karina, you have a website now, don't you? Yes, I do. You can also go to KarinaSalcedoNailer.com to connect with all the different projects that I'm uh, currently handling and the different services that I provide. And it's simply just to serve and help educate specifically even the, just the Christian community on what's going on and how we can help in this next season of the United States. Yeah, invite Karina and, and Jonathan out to your church, to your fellowship, you know, uh, you know, all you gotta, you get to pay, pay their way and, and, and maybe their hotel room, give them a little, uh, but you know, the thing is, is that this is her passion. This is her calling. It's her anointing. And I know God's going to continue to use you, Karina. And, uh, and the same for me, I'm willing to come out. Uh, we just did two events today. Uh, you know, I'm, I got a pretty busy schedule next couple months. But we're doing this, not, not for us, not for our gain, not for our name, not for our ministry. We're doing it because we're in the biggest fight of our life as a nation right now. And we know that. And I don't know that it's going to get better after the election per se, but I do know that this is a critical, I would say the most important election of our lifetime right now for sure, because what's at stake is literally our freedoms, is literally our, our, our republic. And so we're going to continue to do these podcasts. I don't know if we covered everything tonight, but we're, I think we're out of time. But uh, thank you. You want to just say anything before we go? Thank you for having me. And again, if you are interested in joining the Religious Liberties Coalition, you can contact me or Todd, and we'd be happy to get you on board with that. Absolutely. And I'll put the information uh, below in the video. And, and Karina, thank you so much. And say hello to Jonathan, please, and your family. And we'll do this again next week. And thank you for tuning in to the Remnant Radio program. We'll be back after this. Save by the sound of a-